Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you to follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be here on Good Friday as we celebrate Jesus' death together and remember all that He's done for us on a really, really important weekend in the Christian calendar. And so we're going to unpack some of that this morning and Sunday as well. And I hope that you're blessed as we remind ourselves of all that Christ has done. Many of you here, if you're a regular, will know my dad. Uh, My dad's in the building today. And if you know him, you know that he's a builder. And years ago, dad had a work experience guy called Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie came onto the building site um, from his school class to learn what it's like to work as a carpenter. And in Ronnie's mind, he had visualised what he'd be involved in and what he'd be working on that week. And so I think he saw himself building walls and, you know, using the nail guns and getting out the circular saw and putting up roof trusses and all of those uh, exciting things. And I'm sure as he visualised it, he had in his mind an experience which sounded really exciting and really quite an adventure. And so day one rolled around and Ronnie turned up on site and he came on time. He was all dressed in suitable attire and ready to go. And he went up to dad and he says, where do I start? Now, when he said, where do I start? I think he was thinking, which wall will I be building? He's looking around going, I'll do that wall or that wall. And to his horror and shock, dad pointed over to a giant pile of bricks that needed to be cleaned. And he gave him some tools in which to clean them. And he says, that is where you start. And so any misguided illusions of a fun-filled, action-packed week of exciting jobs was shattered in one moment as he came to terms with how difficult it is to clean bricks. Now, as his time progressed on site over the week, uh, brick-cleaning instruments were swapped for a broom to sweep up at the end of the day and an opportunity to pack tools into the panel van. And, and then as the week went on, a few more specialised jobs where he learnt how to use some tools. But as the week went on, Ronald became more and more obstinate about what he would do and what he wouldn't do. And so he would say, I'm not cleaning any more bricks. I didn't come to learn to be a bricklayer. I came to learn how to be a builder. And he said, I'm not sweeping the floors because I didn't come to learn how to be a cleaner. I came to learn how to be a builder. And so you can imagine this didn't go down too well on the building site. Um, But he didn't realise that You know, when you start out, you always start off with some of the tasks that other people don't want to do. And as an apprentice, that's really how life works in the real world. And so you get given all the menial and all the mundane tasks, or mundane tasks, sorry, not Anthony Mundane, (laughs) mundane tasks. And it's only as you slowly build up your skills, or they hire another apprentice, that you actually move from some of the more menial tasks to spend more time on the more specialised jobs. Because that's how our world works. You kind of start as a servant of all. You do all the tasks that nobody else wants to do until you kind of work your way up the ladder and you come to the point one day where you become the boss and you can bark orders at everybody else. Everyone else sort of serves you. And this is how people view power in the world. That's all about moving your way up so that you're in charge. And so you kind of grow in power as you go. And as you grow in power... Some of those tasks you used to do are now seen as kind of beneath you or at least no longer your responsibility. Well, today is Good Friday and we are right in the midst of Easter, which is the most important time in the Christian calendar as we focus on the death 
and resurrection of Jesus, our Saviour. If you missed last weekend, we introduced our Easter theme for 2021. It's the theme of redefined. Redefined. And so last week, I, talk, I spoke about how Jesus, at the cross of Calvary, redefined love. That love is not a love with all these strings attached, that it's if or when or because. It's not a love with strings attached. His love is a love that is unconditional and self-sacrificial to the very point of death. And so at that very first Easter, Jesus redefined love. And in the process, he redefined the way that we are to love one another. Well, today we're continuing the theme of redefined. But this morning, we're looking at the idea or the concept of power. Because Jesus not only redefined the love we're to receive and express, he also redefined the way that we should view and express power. And so what we see in today's passage and in Christ's example is that he turns power on its head and changes the way power is to be used in the kingdom of God. And so I'm now going to invite up um, a special guest to come and do our Bible reading. I'm going to invite up Sue, who's new to the church, and so she's going to come and read the Bible reading for us today. And so let's give her a warm welcome as she comes up to read that. Sorry. Microphone. Um, This passage is from John, chapter 13, verses 1 to 11. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, "'Lord, are you going to wash my feet?' Jesus replied, you do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. Thank you, Sue. What we're going to see from today's passage and in Christ's example is that he turns power on its head. And he changes the way that power is to be used in the kingdom of God. Uh, World history and church history throughout the years uh, is littered with tragic accounts of the abuse of power. Uh, Dominant leadership, abusive leaders, 
uh, things that should never be swept under the carpet being swept under the carpet, and a culture of celebrity where so many church leaders are worshipped on a pedestal. A recent survey in the US showed that 30% of all pastors in the US are narcissists. 30%. There's a lot of pastors in the US, and 30% of them are narcissistic in the way they behave. And I've got to say, that is absolutely tragic. And it's tragic because it destroys our witness and it stops us from representing Jesus to a world that desperately needs to see him. And it makes me ask the question, how have we got this so wrong and why does this keep happening? Well, as I reflected on that question this week, I think it goes wrong because when we get our idea of power from the world in which we're immersed where power is all about position, titles, authority, and prestige, and and we bring that model into the church, well, the church starts to look just like the world around it. And so it should be no surprise that we see that sort of leadership in the church when we're just following what the world does or the way the world sees leadership. And so at Easter time, we're actually reminded afresh that Jesus shows us a better way. The kingdom of God is an inside-out, upside-down kingdom where power is inverted and expressed in different ways than what we're used to. And so our Bible reading today, John chapter 13, seems like a strange passage for Good Friday. But I hope today, by the end of this, you'll actually see it's the perfect passage for this occasion. It's the account of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, and the story is located right before Jesus goes to the cross. Now we know this from verse 1 in the passage, where it says, that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world. And so the story is positioned at a very interesting, and I think a very deliberate time of Jesus' life. And so let me set the scene this morning, because there's another really important detail in verse 1 that we often skip over, and that is this. It tells us that it was just before the Passover festival. Now, there's so many little passages like that in Scripture that we kind of just skip over. We just don't even notice they're there, and we get to the story. And I've heard people over the years recount the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet over and over again, but very rarely have they ever mentioned this sentence, that it was just before the Passover festival. But it's actually no accident that it's there. It's no accident that it's been recorded that way. And this is actually really significant. In fact, I think this sentence is actually the key that unlocks the meaning behind this story. Now, for those that don't know, Passover was a festival that was celebrated by God's people to remind them of what God had done all the way back in Exodus chapter 12. It was a time in history when the Egyptian pharaoh was holding God's people as slaves. And day after day, they were forced to do back-breaking labor. And after a time of doing this, they started crying out to God, all the pain and suffering they were going through, and it said God heard their cries. And so he appointed a leader called Moses, the leader of God's people, and he told Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let God's people go. And so he went time after time after time, and every time his request was rejected by the Pharaoh. And so as a punishment for that, each time that happened, God sent a different plague on the nation of Egypt. I don't know if that's my time up or it's lunchtime or whatever, but we'll just keep going. Okay, When you hear the bell, just don't worry about it. Probably shouldn't have mentioned it now that I have mentioned it. 
But each time he, he refused to let the people go, another plague came. So there were these dreadful plagues that came over Egypt. Plagues like, you know, blood, where the whole Nile River turned to blood and started to smell really bad right throughout the land. And then they had a plague of frogs. Who here likes frogs? Fredo frogs, maybe. That's about it. But there were frogs everywhere. And then there was things like fleas. Are you kind of starting to feel itchy this morning? It's a little bit like that. And if you are, the next one was boils on people's skin. And so now you're really scratching. And so then there was one of hail. And then there was locusts that devoured all their crops. And there was all these horrible, horrible plagues that came on the nation of Egypt as a punishment or a judgment for not letting God's people go. But as bad as the first nine plagues were, the last one was the very worst. It was the plague of the firstborn son. In other words, if Pharaoh would not let God's people go, then the firstborn son of every Egyptian would die as part of God's judgment. And in order to avoid that, the Israelites, God's people, they were told to sacrifice a lamb and then sprinkle its blood over the door frames of their houses. And, and when the blood was seen there, the judgment of God would pass over that house and their son would be spared. And so the lamb was a sacrificial lamb that died in their place. And this was the very event that eventually led to them being set free from slavery. So what we need to know about the Exodus account is this, that the Exodus account is a type or a foreshadowing of what would ultimately be fulfilled at the cross. And that is what we're celebrating today on Good Friday. We too were slaves into our sin. The Bible says we were dead in our sin. We were unable to break free from that life until Jesus, who is described as a spotless, sacrificial lamb, died in our place for our sins. And now through putting our faith in what he's done for us, when we receive Christ as our Saviour and Lord, the judgment of God passes over us. And we are declared innocent, righteous, forgiven, and set free in Christ. And that's the good news of Easter time. And so let's not skip over what seems like an insignificant sentence because it's incredibly significant that this was the Passover time because it's pointing to Jesus, the once and for all sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world. And at this point of his life, he was preparing to die in our place. It's incredible. And so what Jesus is about to do as he washes his disciples' feet, it's extraordinary but it's so much more than simply washing his disciples' feet. It's a redefining of power and it's a foretaste of an even greater sacrifice to come at the cross. And so in verse 2 it says they sit down for their evening meal. And in this context, sometimes the host or more commonly the slave or the servant in the household would be given the task of washing the guests' feet. Now, I went to Israel and the West Bank and Jordan and all those places a few years ago, and I can testify that it's still a really dusty place. And so if you wear sandals like they used to wear in those days, you can only imagine what their feet would have been like as they come to a meal. Uh, when we were younger, um, we had the blessing of having a mum who decided to dress all of us brothers in exactly the same clothes. Anyone else had that blessing? Everyone loves that, don't they? It looks so good and it's so cool. And so we used to have the same stuff all the time. And one of the things we were given were these dreadful brown sandals. 
And the only thing we liked less was the brown boots we had. But we had these brown sandals and we had to wear them everywhere. And they came with a label. And the label said, danger, don't wear these if you want to be cool. Actually, they didn't, but they really should have had. That would have been fairer for everybody. But anyway, we would wear these sandals everywhere and we'd go around and we'd play in the dust and the dirt and we'd kick the footy around. And then at the end of the day, you would take off your brown sandals and what you would see, it's not just a little bit of dirt and dust on your feet because the dirt and dust mixes with all the sweat and it becomes like a paste or a stew or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> a stew. And it sort of sticks to the bottom of your feet. It's like this black sort of slimy stuff. And let me tell you, it does not smell good. And so you can only imagine in the Middle East in those days with those sandals how their feet would have been. And so the slave, their job was to go around as a sign of hospitality and wash the feet of all the guests, particularly the honoured guests that were there that day. And it was kind of revolting. And today in the Middle East, it's very much still the same. But as you can imagine, in their culture, it was never, it was never ever the job of the honoured guest to wash anyone's feet. In fact, others would be tasked with the responsibility of washing theirs. And so what Jesus is about to do is radical. It's kind of scandalous. It's counterintuitive. It was absolutely unexpected. And I believe the verses 3 to 5 of this passage are three of the most profound verses in all of Scripture. And this is where we need to take note of that little and critical word, and it's the word power. It says, Jesus knew, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God So how did he respond? So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now this is incredible. Knowing the power he had, he dropped to his knees into the dirt and into the dust. This is Jesus, God in human form. He's the King of kings. He's the everlasting God. He's the saviour of the universe. He's the name that is above every other name, that at his name every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. He's the living word who created the universe and sustains it by his mighty power. He's the one worthy of all of our praise and adoration, all of our worship and affection. And he had all things under his power. If anyone should have been served, if anyone should have been exempt, it's Jesus. But there he is in the dirt and the dust that he created. And in all the grime, he's there washing his disciples' feet. And I don't want us to miss how extraordinary that is. That Jesus would do that. You see, Jesus was taking the position of a slave. And if there's one person in the room who shouldn't be on his knees in the dirt, the dust and the grime, it's Jesus and he knew it. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, so he got up and washed his disciples' feet. 
It's extraordinary. At this point, his disciples, as you can imagine, are uncomfortable with what he's doing. They find it hard to accept that their leader, their Messiah, their king, would get down on the ground and do that for them. In fact, Peter, as per usual, is the first to speak up. And he takes great offense at what Jesus is doing. And he says, Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. Never will you wash my feet. Jesus replies to Peter. And he says, Peter, you do not realize now what I am doing. But later you will understand. Unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. You see, what we're seeing in this act is a foretaste of the cross. Feet washing is symbolic of the cleansing blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. The Passover festival was a foreshadowing of Jesus' once and for all sacrifice. Jesus showed that he'll not only wash our feet, but there's nothing he wouldn't do for us, even to the extent of dying in our place. He would wash the disciples' feet, but he'll also wash away the sins of every person who puts their trust in him, knowing that all things were under his power. He washed the disciples' feet, knowing that all things were under his power. He died on the cross for you and for me and for everybody who puts their faith in him. The most powerful man who ever lived laid all of his power down for us. N.T. Wright says, here at last, we have the answer to the paradox of power. Humans are made to exercise power, but true human power was always intended to be exercised through self-giving love. Jesus, as a perfect human, redefines power. His power was made perfect in weakness as his death on the cross paid the price for our sin. Jesus modeled in his life what he would most powerfully demonstrate in his death. And that is that there was nothing beneath him. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. You know, at that moment, the disciples must have been absolutely staggered that he would lower himself to a position usually assumed by a slave. Perhaps they thought he couldn't go any lower. That's as low as you go. But what they didn't yet realize is it was only a signpost that pointed to the ultimate sacrifice he was about to make, death on a Roman cross. Philippians 2 tells us, that Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Church, this is the power of Easter. That Jesus absorbed the wrath of God upon himself for all the sins that have been committed so that we wouldn't have to pay that price for our sin. He made himself nothing so that you and I could become something. New creations in Christ, forgiven, justified, set free from the power of sin and death and loved with the most self-sacrificial, unconditional love we could ever imagine. And so the real question this Easter 
whether you're in this room or whether you're watching live stream this morning, is simply this. This Easter time, have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Because as we reflect on the cross, let me tell you there's no better time than today to trust in him. Today we're going to pause in the middle of this message for communion because the cross is found at the very centre of our faith. And so in the room today, the cross, you'll notice, is in a very central location because this is what Good Friday is all about. It's not about hot cross buns. It's not about Easter eggs, which we're meant to eat on Sunday, but we've been eating for three weeks or months. It's not about school holidays. It's not even about family gatherings. It's about the cross of Jesus Christ. Today we need to fix our eyes afresh on the old rugged cross and remind ourselves of the sacrifice Jesus has paid for us. And so this entire message, this entire room is designed to bring us back to the centrality of the cross. And so I pray visually today that it will remind us of the extraordinary price Jesus paid as we reflect around the Lord's Supper with the bread that we're about to break, which represents his body broken for us, and the cup that we're about to drink that represents his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. If you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, then today on Good Friday I want to encourage you to put your faith in him. Because as we go to celebrate communion, there will be a prayer on the screen. And if you want to know the forgiveness that comes from Jesus alone, if you want to know the confidence that comes from him alone, the confidence only he can give, if you want to know your true identity, that you are not a sinner but a saint saved by grace, then right there in your seat or watching at home today, you can begin that journey by simply praying this prayer. And it's going to be up on the screen. I'm going to leave it there for you to reflect on as we go to communion. For the, those that are live streaming, now's the time to grab your elements. And for the rest of us, there are five locations around the room. And so they've got the green um, stuff over there ready to go. And so make your way to the closest one. And when you've taken the bread and cup, then come back to your seat. We're going to reflect alone in our seat. And we're going to take some time to remember Jesus' sacrifice. And once we've finished partaking... I'll finish with a couple of application points for us. And so let's go now and remember all that Christ has done for us.
The next part of our reading is from John chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Last weekend, I said it, follow this Easter. We don't want Easter to be passive. We want it to be active. Jesus' sacrifice is not something we should ever be passive about. It actually demands a response. And the response is that we follow in our Saviour's footsteps. The passage we've read today finishes with Jesus directly applying what our response should be when it comes to the power this Easter day and every day Of our Christian lives. He says, I've washed your feet, and you should wash one another's feet. In other words, you should serve one another and the world around you. He says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you, because no servant is greater than their master. He says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. When it comes to power, I think the honest truth is that we still want it. We still crave it. We still long for it. But today's a reminder that Jesus had it, and yet he laid it down for the sake of humanity. And he expects the exact same from us. Because we have power. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. The Bible says we are more than conquerors in Christ. It's no longer I, but it's Christ who lives in me. We have the presence of God in us and with us. Ephesians 1 says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That's incredible power. But it's power that's redefined. It's a power that changes our world in surprising ways. It's a power that calls, transforms, and confronts people from every tribe, every nation, and every tongue to use their power in self-sacrificial love as a powerful witness to the God who serves. So as we go from this place, this Good Friday, reflecting on the most extraordinary love expressed by the most powerful man who ever lived, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we know that we have his power. He invites us to walk in his power. So let us get up from our chairs like Jesus did. Let us walk out of those doors at the end of this service and let us express that power to the world. Not the power of this world used for dominance, position, manipulation or title, but the power of the Holy Spirit given to us to serve, to sacrifice, to love 
and to share the good news of all that Jesus has done for us. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, as we gather today with your cross in mind, how can we have anything but hearts full of incredible gratitude for all that you've done for us? And while we were still sinners, Christ, you died for us. You took our sins. You took the punishment. And so that when we put our faith in you, we are passed over and that judgment no longer belongs to us because you have taken it for us. Lord, we just want to say thank you that you've set us free. Free to be people who live for you. People to be free to live without the chains that hold us back. The chains of sin and shame and ultimately death. And so Lord, as we reflect on today, Lord, I pray that Easter time would never be passive. That we'd hear all about the cross and say, thank you, Jesus, and just go into our week like nothing happened. Lord, I pray that we'd be transformed from the inside out through the power of the Holy Spirit and by the message of the cross. And so help each of us every day this week to be thinking about ways that we can express your love to our neighbours, to our friends, to our family, and to those we meet in our local community. Lord, we want you to be lifted high over this region. We want the sacrifice you paid to be received by so many more people in this place. And so, Lord, we ask that you would use us with your power to be your hands and feet in this world. And we pray it in the powerful and life-changing name of Jesus Christ. Everyone said, Amen. Thanks for joining us for our weekly message. If you live in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service. All the information can be found on our website, follow.church. You can also follow us on social media at Follow Baptist Church.